the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 40 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning, trust, and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now, your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, San Francisco Bay Area. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio. And I just wanted to say it's uh, good to be here with you today. It's good to be alive. Uh, Hopefully, uh, many of you out there feel the same way. Uh, Here we are in the middle of the holiday season. Um, I think now, here in December, it's legitimate to have your uh, decorations up and things like that, like your tree. Uh, My wife and one of my daughters put up our tree um, about a week and a half ago, and then they decorated it. Uh, I find it's a little hard for me to maneuver that thing out of our crawl space anymore, um, since I do have uh, some uh, weakness and impairment in my left arm. Uh, But it's fine. Let them do it. Um, I'm older now. It's time for me to kind of back off on doing any kind of heavy physical labor like I've done quite a bit in my lifetime over the years. And I'm ready to kind of step away from that for a while. And you're probably thinking, a lawyer that does physical labor? Oh, yeah. Um, There are a few of us that exist out there, I'm sure. So um, as we approach the end of the year... I'm looking ahead uh, and realizing I'm going to be largely open Monday through Thursday of the last two weeks of the year, uh, next week and then the following week. Um, I will be likely closed for business on on, uh, both Christmas Eve day and New Year's Eve day. Day, which, uh, as I recall, oh, let me just double check that, um, when those actually take place this year. I don't really keep track of those things as a general rule, but I can see that um, New Year's Eve Day, I would consider being Friday the 23rd. Uh, I may very well be doing my show that day and the following week, um, December 30th, I'll likely be doing my show. I will not have my office open, but I will be likely working in my office and broadcasting on those days, uh, because New Year's Eve and uh, and Christmas Eve fall on Saturday this year, so that's not a natural time for me to be open. But it does mean that Monday through Thursday, for the next three weeks, 
I do have available appointment times if you would like to come in, kick my tires, and talk about getting the estate planning process started for you. If you get started here in December, we can certainly have everything done in January. I try to turn things around as quickly as possible for people. Um, I don't like lingering for months and months and months. My normal goal is to have everything ready for signing after drafting and review in three to six weeks from an initial meeting. Uh, My initial consultations are at no charge, and I grant a half-an-hour consultation at no charge, either on the telephone, by Zoom meeting, or in person in my office, whatever is most comfortable and convenient for you. I offer all three alternatives. All three alternatives can be found on my website at lawbob.com, where you can click on the type of meeting you would like to have with me, follow the instructions, and book right on my calendar. My calendar is interactive. It is always up to date and is essentially live. So if you book on my calendar, it will end up uh, on my local calendar and that time will be set aside exclusively for you to meet with me to talk about estate planning and how I might be able to help you or you and your family. Now, following the my usual format today, I'm going to go through a number of questions and comments from around the state of California. So I'm going to lead off with a question that uh, the situation I know comes up now and then. I've seen it in my practice a few times, and I know other colleagues of mine have run into this. So out of Los Angeles, California, question comes from the successor trustee of a living trust who wants to know, um, what do we do if when the trust was prepared, deeds were prepared that were signed and notarized to transfer real estate into the trust ownership, but they were never recorded? So here it says the original deeds are still in the trust binder with the will and the trust. There's no record of them ever being recorded. Well, if it's the original ink-signed, ink-notarized deed, and there's no recording information on it, that's absolutely correct. It has not been recorded. So the question is, can I simply record them now? It's been about two years since everything was signed and notarized. The short answer to that question is, Likely, yes. It's not clear from the question whether successor trustee means that the person who signed the deeds and had their signature notarized has died in the meantime, or if the successor trustee just took over because that person had become incapacitated. But as a general rule, if the deeds were signed, they were notarized, and it was done by the person owning the property, transferring to themselves as trustee of their own trust, then here in the state of California, the transfer of that property 
was complete as a matter of law by the signing, notarization, and delivery of the deeds from the person to themselves as the trustee of their trust. Recording the deeds only really gives information and notice to the rest of the world about the transfer of the real estate that already took place when the deeds were dated, signed, and notarized. So, I believe that the deeds could be recorded at this time, uh, even though it's been two years since they were signed and notarized, as long as it's clear that the deeds were delivered to the trustee of the trust. And by definition, that would be the case if the trustee of the trust, the original trustee, was in fact also the trustor, the person who created the trust and transferred title of their property to themselves as trustee of the trust. So uh, I would go ahead and record the deeds. Um, I don't think anyone would object to that. I don't think the recorder would object to that. Uh, deeds don't always get recorded soon after they're signed, dated, and notarized. So I, I would not be concerned about that in this instance. So here we have um, out of McFarland, California. I have no idea where that is. Some of you out there probably do. says, my grandmother was ill with COVID and got better. My stepsister took her to a notary to sign a quitclaim deed. While she could not read the documents, she was led to believe she was adding my stepsister to the deed, but my grandmother was taken off of the deed property uh, to the property without her consent since she was verbally read one document and made to sign another. Is there any way I can get the quitclaim nullified? Well, if Grandma was a senior, this could actually be elder financial abuse, and I would recommend go to the district attorney's office in your county, wherever McFarland is, talk to them about it, and they may actually be able to take action to uh, have that whole transaction reversed. So we're coming up on the first break of the show today. When we come back, I'll continue with more Plan Your Estate Radio. This is your host, estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, and I'll catch you on the other side. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. So we're going to continue now with uh, more questions and comments from around the state of California. And uh, I'm going to go with one out of Downey, California. And here it says... um, My father died in 2019. Um, Let's see. So, my mother had already begun the middle stages of dementia, and then my sister, with an attorney, talked my mother through probate and got her to set up a trust where I was a beneficiary. But I was always kept out of the loop. And then my sister and my brother broke off communications with me once my mother died in February of this year. 
They didn't look for me. Uh, they put out a missing persons report on me when I called to check check on mom, found out she died six months prior. I was forced to sign to get money from the trust. I wanted to fight. I knew it was that was something was wrong, but was advised by an attorney not to fight. Since then, I found out my sister had sold the house, mother's house, to my brother uh, for less than what it was worth. So, can I fight for the for the lost money? I don't know. You might very well be able to. Uh, I mean, especially if they knew where you were. Um, it, you know, I I always get bothered when I hear stories about uh, family members that basically take actions to screw over other family members. It's a major pet peeve of mine. Um, I find it very reprehensible, and uh, and really, just just um, really just. Just disgusting. Maybe maybe that's a better way to put it. I hate when people do that. Um, and yet it seems to happen a lot. I, I, I don't know. The dynamics of families, you know, I could spend several of my shows just talking about family dynamics I've observed over the years. Um, some very good ones, some extremely bad ones. I will tell you, state planning is one of those areas, like family law, where you can have the best and the worst come out in people. Um, I've seen some really, really good family situations where the family works together and uh, and they're not taking actions to uh, interfere with each other or to take advantage of each other. And then I've seen other family situations where... It's amazing that the people in the family are still alive after all these years and they haven't actually killed each other off in the meantime. Um, never a dull moment as an estate planning attorney. Okay, out of Temecula. I think I pronounced that correctly. Temecula, California. In California, can a person who inherits a house with a mortgage on it inherit that house and continue to pay the remaining mortgage? So here there was a revocable trust that names a son to inherit the property. The short answer is, as long as you keep paying the mortgage, the lender really has no reason to call in the loan. Um, strictly speaking, in some cases, uh, they cannot call in the loan. I think in this case where there is a child who inherits and takes over, um, they really can't call in the loan. I'd have to double-check on that, so don't quote me on that. But as a general rule, if the mortgage keeps getting paid, they have no reason to be concerned. They might look at calling in the loan if the outstanding uh, percentage on the loan, the, the loan interest rate, is significantly less than what they could loan out today. But uh, I have never actually had a client or a family where the loan has been called in by the lender uh, as long as it continues to be paid. 
I mean, understand if a lender does that and they're forced to foreclose, they incur some real expenses um, when doing that. And the only thing that's likely going to end up after they started that process is getting uh, the loan removed and paid off, and then they're really uh, in no better or worse shape than they were before. So that's um, that's kind of uh, that, that's kind of my short answer about that. Here's one out of Hunt, Huntington Beach, California. Says my partner's mother has had cognitive decline for quite some time, and September 22nd of 22 was diagnosed with severe dementia. My partner holds a durable power of attorney for his mother and has been acting as the power of attorney for more than a year. On December 6, 2022, he received a suspicious email from the trust attorney stating that his mom had revoked all his power on September 22, 2022. Also, he had spoken with this attorney over the last month, and the attorney stated that no changes had been made. Is a power of attorney something that can be revoked by mom with dementia, and is an email appropriate notification for something like this? If there was a change, can my partner challenge the authority being revoked? Well, first of all, you know, I don't think sending an email revoking authority is appropriate at all. Revocation really should be communicated directly by the person revoking, or it should be in writing, um, and then notifying everybody who might have been dealing with the agent under the power of attorney. But it's questionable that a person with severe dementia, with a diagnosis of severe dementia, could revoke a power of attorney because they would not have the legal ability to create a power of attorney, which means they would lack the legal ability to revoke a power of attorney at the same time. That is suspicious right there. Um, so... I would say there's a there's something else going on here, and this person probably needs to um, probably needs to uh, get more information about what's going on uh, before taking any further action. Um, especially if they talked with the attorney, and the attorney had told them in the last month that no changes have been made. So something something is not right here. Something is not really passing, as we call in legal terms, the smell test. And I think you all know what I mean by that. Um, and so I'd be very, very concerned about something like this and what's going on behind the scenes. Whether or not it was revoked and whether the person, the, the mother, had any authority legally to revoke her power of attorney anymore. Okay, we're coming up on the mid-show break. And when we come back, I will continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. This is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, and we'll continue the show after this break.
This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. And we're back for the third segment of the show today. Out of Elk Grove, California. Person says, My mother had less than $50,000 left to pay on her home with sustainable income and a person from a certain mortgage company, which I will not name, convinced her to do a reversed mortgage on her home and then did a refi the following year. She doesn't understand what a reverse mortgage is and how to use it. Now she owes over $150,000 and has not utilized any of her funds. Can anyone help my elderly mother with a possible situation of being taken advantage of inducing her to actually um, have a reverse mortgage. Well, elderly right there suggests to me this could be financial elder abuse. If someone didn't need a reverse mortgage, didn't understand what it was, but got talked into it and they're a senior, and now they're in a worse financial situation than if they'd done nothing at all, that could actually potentially subject this mortgage company, or at least the the agent of the mortgage company, to some kind of legal consequences uh, for possibly taking advantage of a senior citizen. Um, not a lot of other information there, but... I would certainly look into that. I would certainly consider pursuing that to see whether or not um, things were done properly. Um, it sounds like they may not have been, in which case there might be uh, might be able to reverse everything and uh, and maybe even financially go after whoever induced this person to do this. Okay, out of San Diego, California. Person says, I'm in poor health and I'm a plaintiff in a shareholder's rights lawsuit. I have legal representation. How do I appoint or otherwise transfer my authority to someone to make decisions if if I become incapacitated or die? I assume any actions involving conservatorship or probate court would require time. I do not want my attorney involved in this aspect. Well, I see right there, that's the problem. If you want to have someone uh, get involved, or if you're talking about my attorney, meaning the attorney representing you in the lawsuit, that's fine. But you really should have an attorney such as myself actually do the legal documentation to make sure that someone has the authority to continue your lawsuit if you become incapacitated. That would typically be a power of attorney. and But then on death, um, the power of attorney authority would go away. So you might be looking at, possibly looking at assigning the lawsuit or your interest in the lawsuit to a revocable living trust so that that the authority would actually survive you 
um, um, if, if you become incapacitated or pass away, um, then it would be able to um, they'd be able to continue with the lawsuit on behalf of um, on behalf presumably behalf of the family. I think that's probably the thing that we're looking at right there. Out of San Diego, someone asks, I was taken out of my mother's trust. Can I be put back on my mother's trust after being taken off? Well, sure, if, you're, if your mother wants to put you back in and she's still legally competent, she can. Um, but if she kicked you out or took you out of her trust and she wants it that way, you're, you're kind of... Uh, Oh, what's the legal term? S-O-L? Um, I'll leave you all to interpret what S-O-L stands for. Um, there's no way to get yourself back into the trust if the person took you out of the trust unless you could somehow demonstrate that there was some kind of um, undue influence or fraud that induced the person to remove you as presumably a beneficiary of the trust. Okay, out of Los Angeles. Person says, I'm a beneficiary of a trust. The trustee, who is also a beneficiary, has distributed most of the trust assets, consisting of real estate, to all the beneficiaries. However, very valuable personal items have not been accounted for. The trustee told me and my brother we are not party to the items, the personal property items in the estate. The trust does not itemize any personal assets, only the real estate assets by address. But the trust does refer to personal assets in terms of the rights of the trustee to buy and sell real or personal property, etc. It does not indicate some beneficiaries are not entitled to personal property and some are. The trustee, my sister, took all personal items for herself. Okay, because the trust does not exclude personal items or exclude any beneficiaries from receiving their portion of the overall estate, I would think all personal items owned would naturally be part of the estate and available for distribution to named beneficiaries. Is that an accurate assumption? Answer, absolutely yes. Um... If there was no will, then it's distributed between the children of the person um, by operation of law, perhaps through a probate. If there is a will directing everything to the trust, then that means that personal property is supposed to end up in the trust and be distributed amongst all the beneficiaries in whatever proportions are indicated in the trust. If the sister is the trustee just took everything for herself, she has violated her responsibility as trustee of the trust um, because she has basically taken everything to herself for her own personal use and purposes. And that is, so this person's absolutely right. It's likely that uh, this was inappropriate, uh, violative of the trust law, and you might have to go to court to get the property returned so it can be divided up. Um, unfortunately, this kind of nonsense happens all the time. 
I've had people tell me that their, their sibling who's a trustee basically said, I'm the trustee, I'm in charge, I get to decide everything. Not really true. People don't understand that when you're the trustee of a trust, you're in charge, but your primary responsibility is to the beneficiaries of the trust to not do anything that interferes with their rights or prejudices their rights or causes losses or damage to them financially. The trustee does not have the right to do anything they want because they have to be aware of the rights of the beneficiaries and they have to make sure that they actually are honoring the rights of the beneficiaries. I tell people that being the trustee of a trust is a position of being a servant, not being a dictator, but being a servant. And if someone doesn't act like a servant when they're the trustee of a trust, they're probably going to get themselves in trouble with the trust law and perhaps even in trouble with a court of law because of the way they behaved while acting as the trustee. Olivehurst, California, another place. I don't know where it's located. I'm guessing somewhere up north. Says, my ex-husband lived with his mother and was taking care of her. My ex passed away in 2010, and he and my former brother-in-law were on the deed of the house that my ex and his mother lived in. Soon afterwards, my ex died, and then his mother died. His brother went down and put the house in his name with an intra-family transfer and dissolution. I'm not even sure what that is. I've never heard of such a thing. Can he do that since my husband has three kids and they were underage when their father passed? All right. It says, he and the brother-in-law were on the deed to the house. What it doesn't say is, how were their names titled? on the deed to the house. If it was titled as ex and brother-in-law as joint tenants, then that means when the ex died, his half of the property went to his brother by operation of law. Um, if they were titles as tenants in common, then that would mean that when the ex died, his half of the property would have gone to his three children, likely through a guardianship, a probate followed by a guardianship. So if somehow the brother-in-law ended up with it, it could have only been with a joint tenancy. Any other way that was handled probably was done um, inappropriately and ineffectively and could be voidable by the children, whoever uh, is the children. And I assume this is the children are the person who's asking their children who actually should have been receiving that half of the property that their father actually owned. So need more information, not absolute, but hopefully that will answer some of it. We'll be back after the break for the final segment of our show today. This is attorney Bob Bergman, and we'll finish up the show in a few more minutes.
Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. And welcome back to the final segment of our show today. I have a handful of questions and comments, and and then I'll have a little announcement at the end of the show, something I'm contemplating uh, for the last week of this year of 2022. So stay tuned to hear about that. Um, this person, okay, out of San Jose, California. If using an online service such as Plank or Blank to draft up a will, what makes it legal? Is it after I have it notarized? Researching the most affordable option for basic wills. Well, what makes it legal? There, There's a lot of ways that a will can be legal. First of all, what makes it legal is if you date it and sign it and then have witnesses that witness your uh, you signing it in front of them. And strictly speaking, that witness you signing it and witness each other signing at the same time. Uh, a will is legal if you write up the whole thing in your own handwriting. A will can be legal if you get a form, fill it out, date it, and sign it, even if it has no witnesses, it still might be legal. A court can accept it as legal. If you're looking at just a free will form, you can go to calbar.ca.gov, which is the website for the State Bar of California. Do a word search for statutory will, and you can download the statutory will form created by the legislature here in California. You can follow the instructions, fill it out, date it, sign it, have it witnessed as indicated, and you'll have a legal valid will. Whether or not that is what you need or it's appropriate for your situation, I'm not going to address that at all because I'm not handing out legal advice right now. I'm just saying if you want to make a will really fast, down and dirty, that's the fastest way to do it that I'm aware of. I don't know that I would use some kind of online um, portal for that purpose. Uh, if you're looking for the most cost-effective, what I just described is free to you. You just have to download it, print it out. It'll tell, you know, cost a little bit of toner and some paper. And then you just need to find a couple of people that can witness you sign your will and then they can countersign. And that becomes a valid will. It may be completely inadequate or completely inappropriate for you, depending on your circumstances. So I'm not making a recommendation. I'm just passing on information at this point in time. How do I find out if a trust is still active? This is out of Santa Rosa, California. It says, I'm a beneficiary of a trust, but I have not received copies of the trust tax returns or K-1s, which are actually forms showing distributions of income, since 2018. I have no communication with the trustee, so I don't know if the trust is still active or not. This sounds completely bizarre. Uh, I mean, presumably, you know who the trustee is, 
um, you can find them, find an address, write to them, maybe do a search, find a telephone number, even an email. I would follow up with that. There's no real way to know if the trust is active or not. It may be that the trustee just stopped doing things, stopped doing tax returns, stopped... Now, I would ask this person, have you been getting income sent to you from the trust since 2018? Or did the money just suddenly stop? Do you have a copy of the trust? Do you have a sense of what is owned by the trust as to why money would just kind of stop? There's a lot of questions to ask there, and um, there'd be a, a lot of things this person should really consider uh, but the first thing is to see if they can find that trustee and find out what the heck is going on. All right, so let me let me flip through. We got we don't have a lot of time left today. You know what? Tell you what, I'm going to just uh, switch over to um, the news that I'd like to announce. Uh, this is not definite. Uh, if it becomes definite, I will indicate next uh, next week's show. But I'm considering having a series of my workshops in my office um, probably Wednesday the 28th of this month. I, I'm likely, I'm considering doing as many as three or four workshops throughout that day, starting at various times during the day. Uh, this is especially aimed at you teachers out there who are off at that time. Here's your chance to come find out about estate planning and see if I might be the person to really help you out with that. So um, you can always check my website at lawbob.com, uh, bookmark the page for workshops, to see if workshops go up on there over the next week. But I'll let everybody know definitively by next Friday whether I'm going to have some workshops on the 28th of December. So, until next Friday, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio. I hope you all have a great weekend. And remember, drive safely out there. It's the holiday season and people's minds are somewhere else than on the road. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.